Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in my mess and your mess and all of the collective messes going on throughout the whole world. It's actually true. God has not forgotten you. He hasn't looked the other way or pretended not to notice the trenches you found yourself in, but He's with you and working things out even today, even as you near a deadline for that work project or spoon feed your baby or run a million errands and chauffeur a million kids. Even when we don't necessarily recognize His movement or His grace or His provision, He's still there. So if you don't already know, this podcast releases a brand new episode every other Tuesday. You can mark your calendar or you can choose to be awesome and subscribe for free in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And then you get a fun little present magically delivered to your phone every two weeks. It makes me feel kind of special, even though I was there during the recording. And I am your host, Jen Jewell, and The Messy Table is also partnered with my church, Life Church, and our sister's ministry. And we just love, love, love the Capital C Church, the global church. And it's so fun getting to chat with other imperfect yet redeemed believers in their own spaces, whether that's right here in local circles or in various parts of the world. And in today's episode, I'm gleaning all the wisdom and advice I can squeeze out of one of the very best. Trish Helsel is the Executive Women's Director for Canacut Camps, as well as a mama of three, a mentor to countless high school and college girls and moms and women in general. And y'all, she's a personal inspiration to me. We first met when I was a camp counselor back in college, and let me tell you, it would be tough to find someone who's more encouraging, more of a truth teller, and more on mission and on fire for God to make disciples than Trish. Here on this podcast, we often say that we are for each other, and we're going to lift each other up and champion one another instead of the common tendency to compare and compete. We will love, encourage, and remind each other of what's most important, even when it's hard. We'll spur each other on to fulfill our unique callings within God's sovereign plan. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says, Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is evil, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Trish is exactly that in a nutshell and more. Even when she has to lead through difficult situations, even when she walked through a heartbreaking divorce that she did not want, even in her hardest parenting moments. And today, Trisha's sharing with us how she loves authentically and has the guts to keep going. We actually Skyped because she's in Missouri and I'm here in Oklahoma, but I just loved this conversation. I might have to re-listen a few more times because it's that good. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hi, Trish. Hey, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, my goodness. This is so great. Thank you for Uh, taking time out of your schedule to come and share your heart with us here at the Messy Table. It's a blessing for me to get to do this. Um, It's always fun seeing our past Canacuck staff girls do something that is exciting for the kingdom and is using your gifts and your passions to Mm. just spur other women and girls on. So thank you for following and being faithful to what God has equipped and called you to do. 
It's really cool. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I was actually thinking about, well, first of all, you are the executive women's director at Canacuck, which is just such a phenomenal Christian sports camp based in Missouri. And um, you're also the women's director at one of the camps, K2, which is how we met. I was a counselor there for a couple of summers in college. And what I love is that you not only are pouring into these high school girls, but you're also pouring into the staff and these college girls. And I remember being in a small group with you and I think you were taking us through Revelation, which so there was no like light and fluffy. Let's you know, yeah. let's just talk. I mean, you were just getting after it and pouring into us without reservation. And so I just so appreciate you and your heart and your life and your Thank impact you. in my life and in so many others. So Trish, will you just tell us a little bit about you? Give us the highlight reel of who you are and what you're all about. The highlight reel. Wow, that's a good way to put that. So probably my favorite claim to fame outside of a course, the Lord choosing me and me choosing my Savior, my faith, is I'm a mom of three. And that is the greatest thing and probably some of the hardest stuff I've done in life is being a mama. It's a tough gig, Mm -hmm. but it's the most rewarding gig probably. So I have three kids. My oldest son is almost 30. Next year, he will turn 30. And he is a teacher and a coach. And he is married to, I could not have handpicked a better daughter-in-law for my oldest son. And then my middle son is also a teacher and a coach. So both of them kind of followed in my footsteps and their dad's footsteps of impacting kids through that realm. Um, and my middle son is actually engaged, going to get married right before we go to camp this summer. So we are in the hub of wedding stuff. And it's yeah. really fun. How exciting. Yeah. I just had a uh, hosted his boys for their bachelor party last night. Um, my kids don't drink. And so <laughs> they opted to go golfing for an entire day. And then I got to serve them last night, all of his groomsmen. So that was super fun. And then I have a daughter who is not quite 21. She'll be 21 this summer. And she is all five foot one inch. She goes to College of the Ozarks and actually plays volleyball there. But she wants to go into law enforcement. Oh wow! So she is a criminal justice major. And I bought her her a gun for Christmas. And (laughs) I'm like, my mom is panicked that I would buy my child a gun, but I'm like, this is her field. And so uh, Uh, it's fun to see her passion. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That stubborn little sassy nugget grew up to be an adult. And Uh, she is a, a really cool young lady, just loves Jesus a lot and has a faith. I look back to my college years and I thought, I was like, man, I am living life well. I know Jesus. I was pursuing him. But I look at where she is and I'm like, oh my gosh, she is like where I was in my 30s. Like she literally dives into God's word and it's not just a daily devotional. She studies his words and the things that God impresses on her heart spur me on as a mom and as a woman. So it's fun to have that relationship and see that in my girl. Mm. So those, those are probably my three greatest claims to fame. And then I was a high school teacher, uh, an English teacher and a coach for 14 years. So I coached, I was a head volleyball, assistant basketball, head track coach. 
Um, and I love that. I miss, I still miss it a lot. Mm. Um, but I met Joe White. I had the blessing of coaching his kids and I met him and he finally convinced me to give up the teaching world and to come full time with Canicut. So I've been here for 20 years, wow. which I'm like, I am really getting old to have taught for that long. No, no, no. For that long, full time. Um, no, it just means you have um, more laugh lines like we talked about. And, yes. And more yes. wisdom, which yes. are, are, you know, they're good things. Uh, they're really uh, good things. Yes, that's what we're claiming. So it's it's been such a ride. Life has been really great. And then... As life is, it tells us in James 1 that when we face trials, he tells us how he desires us to walk through them. And, and I've had trials, which I'm sure at some point uh, on this episode, we'll delve into those a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't maybe know what Kanakuk is, it's such mm-hmm. a special place, um, not only for the campers, but like I said, the, for the counselors and people yeah. like you who are there working, pouring into the next generation. So what is it? What's kind of the blanket? What's your goal at camp? What do you do? Thanks for asking that. We are a discipleship-focused camp Uh, Christian athletic camp. So our heartbeat is to take kids from the ages of six up to post-graduation. So they could be 18 or 19 and they can come for anywhere from one week, two weeks, or even a month, which is a super fun trip to have kids for a month at K2 or K1. Um, And our heartbeat is just to equip them so that they can reach this next generation for Jesus. That's our whole focus. And we want to do that through friendships, through fun, and through faith, sharing the gospel in a fun, safe environment. And so it's a it's just an opportunity for kids to come and be loved on and learn how to love and give back to others. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. so great. So our daughter is almost nine and she went for the first time last summer for a week. Oh and God. when I was a counselor, several times I had monthers and I was like, I could barely handle her being gone a week, uh, much less a month. But I also just, oh, I love um, the investment that is made. It is so impactful, so powerful. So oh, love it. Cool. So obviously- well, thank you for entrusting her into us. Thank you for that. So Obviously, during the summer, you're super busy just bringing in kids week after week. What about the rest of the year? What does that kind of look like for you? So that's good. We kind of have different seasons as a director. So once summer is over, we go into our fall season, which is a little bit of planning. And then we start our travel season. So we will start traveling October, November, the first part of December and all of January. And during that season, we are recruiting for staff. We are recruiting for campers. And then once that fall season is over, the winter season is our hiring. So we hire, we've just come out of our draft season, which is really fun to get to hire and pray for our staff. They are our best piece to making summer amazing for your daughter. That's a massive tool. We pray a lot. We spend weeks hiring and sifting through and praying over these young men and women that we're going to have come in part 
love and share the gospel to kids. And then we have our spring season, which is our final planning and push. So right now in my spring season, I'm writing a Bible study for our K2 campers. Um, We've just finished our staff Bible study that they'll get to do. And we're in just all of the party planning. I think our parties just got released online. So you'll see a lot of the final details that happen before our kids come. So Mm. we're less than three months away. In our mind, we are in the final grind and push to make sure sure that this summer is better than any summer that these kids have had. All right. Well, we can kind of already hear it overflowing from you, but tell us, <laughs> what would you say just lights your soul on fire? What are you most passionate oh about? Gosh. You know, I might get emotional. So if I do, I apologize. I should have had Kleenexes right here, dog on it. I love getting to, I, I have a motto in my mind that anytime someone comes to me, I want to lead them better than I found them. And so that's kind of one of my life mantras. I get one opportunity sometimes to encourage and love someone in a way that they maybe have never been encouraged and loved on. So with that as kind of my life goal, the heartbeat behind that is getting to impact and inspire someone. And for me, my faith, without that, life would have been really Uh, really hard. It's hard anyway at times, but without my faith to cling to, I don't know how I would have survived in a way without causing some destruction in my life. Choosing the things that the world says, do this when you're hurting, because this will mask that pain. So for me, getting to speak truth and love someone well while they're uh, growing and learning is probably what I am most passionate about. I just love to be an encouragement to someone else. And sometimes that gets to come through easy conversations and sometimes loving someone well comes through really challenging them, Mm -hmm. um, speaking scripture to them so that they can let the Holy Spirit guide them. It's not my job to change anyone, but I believe it is my job to get to show truth. Um, I always say that when we are walking in ways that are different than what God has for us, there's usually a lack of belief. So my heart is not to worry about the sin that someone is doing, but to figure out where the lack of belief comes from. What has happened in life Hmm. that has made you turn to something else? That's a lack of belief about something good that God has for you. Or what do you not know that I can help impart so that you can prayerfully live life here easier or with a hope than if you didn't have the Lord in your life. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so good and so true. I can even think of that in my own life, that whenever I'm struggling with something that there's a lack of of belief in whatever area that I'm not clinging to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we all have these fear factors or triggers or tendencies that we will go to when we walk in our flesh. I mean, I'm old and I can <laughs> You're not those. old. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. I have lots of the lines and I'm embracing <laughs> them. But I, even in my own life, I'm like, oh, shoot, how am I at my age with my faith letting that fear creep into my life? Mm-hmm. And so I do this thing. There's a book out. I can't even remember who wrote it. I'm looking on my bookshelf because it's up there somewhere. But it was called Self-Talk, Soul Talk. 
And I've done a lot of talks off of that because that's our life. We talk to ourselves like, oh, I'm too short. I'm too fat. I have gray hairs. I hate my nose. I'm not funny enough. I'm not upfront enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not fast enough or athletic enough. Right. All the things. Yes. And if we go there and and let that hamster wheel roll, we're going to walk life self-sabotaging ourselves Mm -hmm. to do what we have conditioned ourselves to do. And so for me, I am really, I'm passionate about helping girls do soul talk. Okay. That's what yourself, that's what Satan wants you to believe. What does God say? Well, God says in Psalms 45, he is enthralled with your beauty. He tells us that he has good for us. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. He wants you to uh, walk in a manner worthy of being called his child. So helping to go what is truth versus what is a lie. So self-talk versus soul talk, which is what's good for the soul based on God's truth about us. And I think when we can start letting the hamster wheel roll with God's truth, with that soul talk, that changes our perspective And I think life is about how we view things, what our perspective is. Mm -hmm. So it's either eternal or it's fleshly. It's earthly. Oh, right. It doesn't matter how old you are, where you are in your faith. To me, that is a game changer is managing your perspectives. Mm. And that's a daily thing, I think, at least for me. I mean, even today, I kind of woke up a little bit just overwhelmed. And then once I was in the word and just reminded of some spiritual, eternal, timeless truth, it's like an inner courage slash just, okay, I can perseverance. I can do this. You know, let's go. Um, He's with me. He hasn't left me. He's for me. And again, not that we're not claiming to be experts, Right, um, But just saying that we are weak and he is strong. And so yeah. that daily renewal of the mind yeah. is just so yeah. key. It's so key. Yeah. And sometimes I think we look too far down. It's great to have a plan that's biblical. Um, but I also think sometimes we can look too far down and instead we just need to do the next right thing. Mm. For right now, Preach. today, what is the next right thing that the Lord would desire of me? And that helps take that burden and being overwhelmed Mm -hmm. about all there is in life, especially in those valley seasons. Man, if we try to get ahead of ourselves and think, how am I going to fix this or get out of this? That can be incredibly overwhelming and bring defeat. And it doesn't offer hope very often. So I think sometimes just breathing what is the next right thing for me right now that helps me manage and have a better healthy perspective of what God desires of me for this moment in time. Oh, that's so good. Well, obviously as followers of Christ, we are called and really commanded to disciple the next generation, but it can often feel intimidating or we feel like we just don't know what to do next. And so what would you say are some of the key ingredients for pouring into or discipling Mm. someone, whether it's a teenage girl or whether it's our own child, maybe it's a niece, maybe it's a friend, Uh Um, you know, there's a big blanket there for mentoring and discipling. That's a great question. The first thing I would tell you is we are all wired differently. So for me, I am a forever optimist with a um, 
I am a guardian by nature. So I always think what's the worst possible thing that could happen. Do I want that to happen? Heck no. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Um, so we're all wired a little differently. And that's some of the fun of doing life on life with people. I have one policy when I disciple anyone. And it's whether I'm on an I am third group with a bunch of campers or whether it's one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And that is um, 100% authenticity. Jennifer, I think one thing that we're really missing in this Christian culture is vulnerability to people that we can trust to be vulnerable to. Right. There's this fear that if I share, I'll share 80% of my junk with you. Because that's kind of normal junk. Mm -hmm. But if I shared what my dad used to call the black tar of your heart, that 20% that it's just, it is nasty. It's just ugly. Yeah. Yuck. If I shared that, then you might not think I could lead or you might not love me or you not, might not believe in me. And so I am like, if I'm going to disciple you, you share 100% of your junk. Because again, as I stated earlier, I don't really care what your junk is. The, the sin for me isn't the issue. Mm -hmm. The issue is the lack of belief yeah, the root about cause. something. Yes. So that's my only policy. And then there's four things that I hope I do whenever I disciple anyone. The first one is to love them. You know, there's a saying out there that says to be fully loved, we have to be fully known. Mm -hmm. If you don't fully know everything about me, then I'm always thinking, oh, she thinks she loves me, but if she knew this, she wouldn't. So when I'm mentoring or discipling someone, my first thing is that I want them to know they that I'm going to love them and that I have flaws. I bleed just like they bleed. One of the things I tell my leadership girls all the time is that our staff needs to see that we bleed too. And I say that because I think when we can be authentic with someone, it helps de-escalate their desire to have to be something they maybe are not at the moment. Um, so love is the first thing. The second thing is I want to model life well. So if I bring you into my world, you're going to get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly, as Clint Eastwood used to say. And that can be fun at times. And then in the ugly, that can be like, okay, this is my life. I've struggled. You know, I, I've I walked through a divorce. I've struggled with a child who's had an addiction issue stemmed from a, being abused as a child. And so I've walked through some really yucky hard stuff in life. And so I want to see, uh, I want someone to see that I'm going to pursue Jesus, even in the midst of me just weeping out of sadness for what has happened in mm. life. So I'm going to model life well, even in the ugly. The third thing is that I want to teach. So I want to go to God's word. And sometimes that's through sit down Bible studies. Sometimes that's just through coffee shop talk, or sometimes it's just watching me do life. Mm -hmm. But I want to teach you where my foundations lie. And then the last thing is I want to correct. So if I ever saw someone do something that I knew an outsider would look at and go, well, that's odd, or she calls herself a Christian and she did that. I, because I love that person without condition, 
I feel that it is my job to share truth with them and correct them mm-hmm. within that. Matthew eighteen fifteen talks about biblically correcting people out of love. Uh, Colossians 1.10 tells us to walk in a manner worthy of being called a child of God. Mm-hmm. So that's my purpose and correction is as a believer, we are held to a standard. So I want to help you learn how to model that well. Mm-hmm. And here's so, the deal. If I have an issue going on in my life, I want someone to come to me. I don't want them to look on right. and think, oh my gosh, what's going on? I would love for them to come to me yeah. in love, truth, and grace and Absolutely. say, hey, I love you. And because I love you, I just noticed this. Is everything okay? Yes. You know, I wouldn't want them to come harshly, but I also wouldn't want yeah. them to stay silent either. Yeah. And And it's hard. It's hard to do that. And it's hard at times to receive that. I think the Lord desires humility in us almost more than any other character quality, because when we walk in humility, we can take correction and receive that it's for the good of us versus who are you to tell me what you see in me? Like, you don't know that much about me. Mm-hmm. And so I love that when someone can come to me, I tell my directors that are under me, my leadership, my staff, it's one of the conversations I have. If you ever see me do anything that makes you pause, come tell me. Right. And if you don't have the courage to face-to-face do it, write me a note. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that over the years I've had staff do that. And that helps me grow Mm -hmm. um, as a leader and as a friend. But it does take humility and it does take you saying, (laughs) you know, because sometimes you might not like what you hear. You might not agree with it. So yeah. And our tendency, I think, is to justify that. So learning to, I've incorporated nine years ago when I walked through the hardest season of my life, I learned to incorporate a policy in my life where I take everything to the Lord for at least 24 hours. Typically what happens for me, Jennifer, is within that 24 hours, the Lord's like, one of your fear buttons got pushed. Mm -hmm. That's why it stung. So are you going to walk in your flesh? Are you going to self-talk? Are you going to soul talk and walk with me? Usually within 24 hours of wrestling through it with the Lord, it's done. Sometimes it doesn't, and then it takes 48 hours. (laughs) And then sometimes I get to go back to that person to go, either tell me more about that, or I just need to ask for your forgiveness. Like, I'm seeing this is a weakness in me, and Mm -hmm. I need to just apologize. Mm -hmm. And that's big, too, because we all have blind spots. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us bigger than others. When you're stubborn and sassy like I am and a little feisty, (laughs) sometimes our blind spots are like ginormous and God gets to keep chipping away at it. Oh, man. Well, when you were talking about authenticity and just having that sincere love, it made me think of Romans 12. And actually, okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, I knew we had this talk coming up. I was cleaning out my closet because it was a hot mess. And oh, it was so it was awful. And so I I just, you know, when you can't take it anymore, I just buckled down one day and was like, okay, here we go. We got to just we got to do it. Anyway, I had uh, a couple old Bibles on a shelf and um, Uh. I had notes fall out from my college Bible. And you know what it was? I don't know if you remember this, but when I um, was a counselor at camp, occasionally you would ask counselors to speak at church, at Sunday church. (laughs) And Uh, that was a big deal too. And I remember when you asked me to speak and I was terrified, like, okay, give me one-on-one, give me a a cabin of girls that I can live on, but don't ask me to speak in front of a million people, please. 
So anyway, I found my notes and it's so much on what you're talking about. Just being real and genuine and sincere and just that sincere love. Wow. And Romans 12 talks oh. about that. And anyway, my notes just talk all about not settling for religion, mm. going through the motions when we can have a genuine relationship with the God of the universe who created us and who created this world. Wow. I mean, it truly is amazing that he cares so much about us that he wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to live with us. And that's really what this whole story is about. Just that, you know, when we sinned, it separated us from him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reason why he came down at first in a temple, the reason why he sent Jesus was so that we could again adhere that brokenness and be redeemed and be able to to be with him and live with him again. And, And we have that opportunity. And so, Anyway, it was just so funny um, to find those notes and and it's awesome. to be reminded of, you know, that was a heartbeat then and it's a heartbeat of mine still now. And yours as it's well. It's really fun. You just flat out just literally slayed the gospel right there. You just shared the gospel. <laughs> no. It's because it's, so- it's real in my own life. I'm not trying to not go through the motions for an appearance. It's because in my own life, I want it to be real. Uh-huh. I don't want to chase after a God who is man-made rules. You know, yeah. that's, that's not the heart of who he is. Yeah. One of my guy friends and I were just talking the other day about those seasons of life when you can feel like you're checking off the boxes, going through, you know, the checklist. Okay. I got up, I had time with Jesus. I'm doing my job. Then I prayed. Okay. That box is checked. And I think at seasons in our life, we can get to that point where it's, we kind of lose that aha, oh my gosh, this is what Christ has done for me. And we just go through the motions. So I just think we all need that sanctuary spot where we can go and it's me and the Lord and he does work on my heart. And this culture and all of us are wired to emotionally want to feel and experience. And sometimes we walk through dry seasons. So does that become a dry season where we aren't still experiencing the Lord or fighting for that emotion to be relevant to us and take us to a level that we are constantly growing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Versus just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's fun, all of that to say, it's fun that God years ago when you were at K2, what was passionate on your heart, then you are relaying into the messy table and using that still in a way that spurs the affections for our Savior on in a new way. So I love that. It's kind of fun. (laughs) It's really awesome. Uh, And you're doing the same thing. So so I want to know, what have you learned through your own parenting and ministry successes and failures? (laughs) Oh, wow. Gosh, that's a, that is a great question. What have I learned? One, I've learned that we've all, we all, it doesn't matter what family you're from, we are all going to walk through trials. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think we can get caught up in looking a certain way, especially when you are in ministry. There's this expectation, which I understand. There's part of me that's like, We do have an expectation to live at a certain level in our mannerisms and how we come across and what we're perceiving and doing in our walk. 
But the flip side of that is we are all going to face trials. Right. So for me, I walked through a divorce that I did not want. Mm. I fought really hard to save it. And I couldn't understand why the Lord, why God wouldn't choose to save my marriage mm-hmm. when I was willing to do whatever it took to save it. That still in my mind doesn't make sense to me. But I am one person in that. And there's another person who gets to make choices. Exactly. And so learning to go, I'm accountable to me. And then learning how to walk in forgiveness and to not allow bitterness creep in um, or resentment or anything that Satan wants to take and use against me. So I've learned that. I've learned the power of walking in forgiveness because that's freedom in my relationship with the Lord. It has nothing to do really with the other person, um, but it has a ton to do with me and my intimacy with Jesus. So I've learned that. I've learned that every one of my kids is different. And so I get to parent them on a different level uh, with different disciplines and corrections because they're all wired differently. So I have a type A who is by the book. I have a carbon copy of me who is like, woo, life is great. It's all going to work out. Don't stress (laughs) about anything. And then I have one who is kind of in between type A, high introvert. So it's been interesting to watch each of them have their own struggles and then to walk them through it. So one thing for me, and I don't know that I recommend this, but Diane Harmon, God love her. She told me this when I was young and I love that woman. So I was like, I'm going to do this as a parent. She said that she prayed that her kids would get caught if they were not walking in a way that honored the Lord. Let them get caught. And then she always was like, um, and then I want to be able to have the courage to walk them through it. So daily, Jennifer, I pray, Lord, if my kids don't know you or are not walking in obedience to you, then let them get caught and then give me (laughs) the patience and the wisdom to walk them through it. And doggone it, Mm. he did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, he would either give me that check in my spirit as a mom that was like, okay, this one is doing something and he's deceitful or she's deceitful. And so I would get to press in and they were always like, mom, how do you know this stuff? Mm. And I'm like, kids, it is genuinely the Holy Spirit. I've prayed this prayer every day since you guys were born. And I just think it's God telling me, letting me walk you through the hard stuff. And then the second thing is that I've learned as a parent is to let my kids fail. Hmm. I think that's worse than me failing. Watching my kids have to walk through a hard situation or a trial. I think it was worse than me personally walking through my divorce. It's Hmm. brutal. And yet I've learned that if I bail them out And if I am their Jesus and they don't ever have to learn how to face disappointment or hardships or their own uh, yuck, then I am doing them a disservice as an adult. And they will never be able to, or they will have a longer time, will take them a longer time to get to that stage where they are dependent on God, not me. 
And that's one thing that I talk a lot about with mamas when I get to go share with them is God is blessing you with a child so you can teach them how to be dependent on him as their savior, not dependent on you. So I'm like, you want to raise kids who are independent from you, but dependent on God. And that has, um, for me, been a focus as I've raised my kids. Am I making them dependent on me as their mom? Or am I making them dependent on the Lord as their Savior? So those are probably a few little nuggets as a mama that I've learned. Okay. Well, if you ever decide to write a book, I will be the first one to buy it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's scripture that I cling to, um, and I'm so thankful my kids are all adults. And I am so, so blessed that each of each one of my kids passionately pursues the Lord. They know Jesus and they do turn to him. And I am so thankful, but the scripture is comes out of third John and it's one four. And it says, I have no greater joy than to know that my kids Mm -hmm. are in an intimate relationship with Jesus. Right. And that for me as a parent, that was always my focus is mm-hmm. that they would know him and pursue him. Because then when, when the yuck of life happens, I know that they're going to seek his truth mm-hmm. and that will sustain them through those hard valleys. Mm-hmm. So sorry, that makes me really no. emotional as a mama. But. Well, it's something Derek and I have just processed through recently is just thinking through, okay, I can't save my kid. Only God can save my kid. And so just, you know, that we can do our part to put kindling around them, you know, praying that God will just light their hearts on fire. But the truth is he's the one who draws them. He's the one that can do that. And so practically speaking, do you have any tips of things that you did just to help open that door? Yes. So the first scripture I taught my kids, I'm not saying this is the best one, but the first one I taught all my kids, probably starting at the age of two on was Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. And that says, children, obey your parents for this is good in the eyes of the Lord. And that is the one scripture that comes with a promise. It says, if you obey your parents, you will live long Mm -hmm. in the land. So that was the first scripture I taught. And then So that hands down is the first thing, imparting truth on them from a young age. My daughter was born with a part of her face shaped differently than the other side. And she's literally had 20 surgeries in 20 years of her life. And so she was often um, teased as a kid. And so we, her boys, her brothers and I made sure that she knew truth, like she is beautiful. She is perfectly made. There is a purpose for her life. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what the world says, in God's eyes, she he created her. He chose her. I tell her this all the time. Out of all the millions of kids that he could have chosen to carry this, he chose you, Shay. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with him choosing to create your face this way? Mm-hmm. And so being able to impart truth on them at a young age, hands down, is a non-negotiable. Now, some of you that are listening to this might be like, oh, snap, my kids are teenagers, and I have not done that with them. I've not had 
Bible studies or raised them and taught them how to have quiet times. That's okay. Don't panic. You can start at any stage reiterating God's truth in their life. So that's probably the first thing. The second thing is love them through their hardships. One of the key things I did not want my kids to do was to lie to me. I was like, I can handle any truth you give me. Mm -hmm. Just don't lie to me. So if they lied, that was one of the hardest things I disciplined for. Mm -hmm. If they told me the truth, even when they did something really bad, I was not going to give them as harsh of a consequence because they actually did what was right. Mm. And I think in order to have integrity, you have to have courage. You can talk integrity your whole life, but if you don't have the courage to do what is right, you don't have integrity. Dave Anderson, uh, one of my dear camp friends wrote a book on becoming a leader of integrity, uh, of courage. And he highlights that a lot. And I just, I believe that's so accurate. So those are probably two of the things that I would say the most. And then one practical thing that I did when my kids turned about the age of 13 ish, I took the word need out of my vocabulary. Oftentimes, as a parent, we will say, you need to do your homework. You need to go clean your room. You need to be responsible. You need to do this. And kind of by that age, they are wanting to kind of separate and gain independence. And and I love that. And it's a hard season because they're going to fail. So Mm. I can remember one time, one of my kids um, who was very athletic and was a key contributor on his basketball team left his uniform at the house and he calls me and he's like, mom, he coming to the game. And I'm like, yes. He's like, ah, I forgot my uniform. Can you bring it? I said, well, I could, but I'm not going to. He's like, what? I won't get a play. And I'm like, that is a bummer. (laughs) This is for the conference championship. I'm like, wow, that's an even bigger bummer. And he's like, you can't bring it. And I said, T I could, but if I brought it, you're going to constantly depend on me. I need you to be responsible. I want you to be responsible. I don't, I could do a lot of things. That is something I'm just not going to do. So I would learn to take that word need out of my vocabulary. Mm. And we had, when they turned 15 and they got their license, we had policies in place. So if you chose, if you made a choice to walk outside those boundaries, consequences were already written out. I didn't really have to yell at you because, ah, bummer, you missed curfew. Here's the consequence that we came up with. Turn your car keys over and, so kind of you just know, your natural consequences. Yes. Yes. But helping them create them mm-hmm. so that they would learn that there were consequences for walking outside of boundaries and that I was not going to bail them out, but I would love them through the consequence. I don't have to yell at you. I can just go, ooh, that really stinks. Yeah, that's going to be hard. And I, honest to goodness, Jennifer, half the time the consequence was worse on me because then I would become carpool mom again and have to drive them. But it was worth it for them to learn that they, they were going to face something that stung for their choices. But part of that and I is, think that's a good thing. But part of that is you being willing to step into that because like you said, it's not yes. fun for you and then to watch them 
So to be willing to let them fail, because as you're telling that story about the uniform, you know, I think we're all cringing like, oh man. And we've, you know, had that playing out a little bit in our life recently with, oh, they forgot book fair money or a library yes. or a library book or something, yes. you know, that they needed to take to school. And, and so we've kind of set some boundaries that I'm not going to take it up there for them if Good they forget for it. Oh, but it's so hard the other day. I asked hard. Derek, I was like, oh, maybe I could just take this one thing because it's really important to them today. And, and. And I didn't, and you know what? It wasn't even that big of a deal when I picked her up. She was like, oh, I forgot it. And I'm like, oh, bummer. I hate that. Well, you can take it tomorrow, you know, but so, uh, but I do feel it's like hard. that's a hard thing for us to be willing to let them. Yes. But I think if we can have the mindset that teaching them to fail at a young age in a situation that really is not a major situation. They think it's major, but we know that's a minor in the scheme of life. When we can teach them, oh, that stings to not get those points or to miss out on something, then I think it helps them, A, be responsible, B, learn how to handle disappointment. And I think that's one of the hardest things for that I see teens not knowing how to do They don't know how to handle failure or disappointment. And I can't tell you one adult who has not failed at something in his or her life or who has not had to walk through some sort of disappointment. And so we are doing our kids a massive disservice if we do not help them learn that in the minor areas of life when they're young. My daughter actually suffered a traumatic brain injury six years ago, the summer of 2012. And she went from being incredibly gifted and in the gifted program to then needing help at school. And I cannot tell you how many times I had to watch her fail in something. And I was like, I cannot bail her out of this because this is her normal. And if I bail her out the rest of life, she is not going to know how to pick herself up or how to fight through something that's really hard. It was brutal to watch her have to do that. But she is in college now and she knows how to handle her brain injury and her headaches and her migraines. And she has learned how to cope. And I'm so thankful that I could love her and encourage her, but not bail her out. I cannot fix that. And so letting kids know this is your normal and you have to figure out how to do life well in your new normal. Mm. Parenting. It's hard. (laughs) It's a trip, man. It is not for the faint. No. When your kids are little, it's hard because you're constantly training them and correcting them and you're always on. And then when they get older, my mom used to say, little kids, little problems big kids, big problems. And she was so right in that the older they get, the bigger their problems are. And then you can't just spank them or give them a timeout or take a toy away or electronics and have them come back under authority. They are going to do it their way. And it's hard to stay consistent in persevering and doing the right thing, even when it's hard, because, you know, the end result is going to be worth it. Hmm. Oh, man. Okay. So good. I'm like, I'm just soaking (laughs) it in. 
All right, well, we both know life is messy, but God truly does. He just meets us and engages us right where we are. So has there been a specific time for you, and obviously you already mentioned several, but where he did meet you in those trenches and carried you through? Absolutely. And it's so funny, Jennifer, I would have told you I grew up a Christian. I, from the age of eight on, I would have said I was pursuing the Lord as allotted at each phase of my life, you know, according to that age, I would have been like, yeah, if people, if friends would have said, oh, I know Trish, yeah, she loves Jesus. But it wasn't until I was 45, 2009. So now I've just told you my age, that probably wasn't (laughs) very wise. Um, But I um, walked through probably the hardest season of my life and I'm going to be pretty vulnerable. So But in the fall of 2009, two things happened. One, I found out that one of my kids had been sexually assaulted by someone that I did ministry with. And it was that aha moment for me of, ah, this is why I'm seeing some of the actions I'm seeing. Um, And it was a tough, tough season. Thankfully, he put himself in a Christian rehab in California. It's been a journey I love his vulnerability and his heart um, and where he is. And God is using his story in ways that he probably won't use me because I don't have that same story. So thankfully, I can say, even though that was really brutally hard, the result I'm seeing is that he is pursuing the Lord. He's married. He has an unbelievable marriage, godly marriage, and it's it's a blessing. It's a story of God's sweetest redemption that he can do through us. Mm -hmm. But that same fall, my husband started um, acting in ways that were not valuing our marriage. So if you could have a checklist of what men do or anybody does, not just men, but what we do when we are not satisfied with life, I think he pretty much did about everything on that checklist. And it ended with him leaving um, and truly just leaving us, leaving me with two boys in college, one who had been in rehab. So that was an emotional, very hard situation. And then that was the summer my daughter had uh, experienced a traumatic brain injury and so left me with some finances that were not covered with him. And so really a tough season. And there are a couple of points that um, I want to be really vulnerable with. Mm -hmm. One is God took me to the book of James and I camped out in the book of James for about a year and a half. And it, if you are walking in a trial or through a really crummy season of life, I want to spur you on and encourage you to dive into the book of James. It was convicting for me and it was reassuring for me and it was pleasing to me. It was my safe haven, my sanctuary. I sobbed thousands of tears reading through James, but it gave me the courage to press on. Mm. So I love that book when we're walking through a season. I also camped out in Ephesians chapter five as a wife. Um, That chapter, I was like, I will be the best wife I can be no matter what my husband does, because I made a covenant to the Lord 
to love him through better or worse. And I think so often we love well when life is good and when there's turmoil or chaos or friction, it's hard to love well. That is our human Mm. nature. And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that when we are in friction, can we still love well? And, And love is a choice. Once you have said yes, you have made that covenant with the Lord, your love for your spouse is a daily choice. So often I think that old saying, the grass is greener on the other side. No, that is not true. The grass is green where you water it. Mm -hmm. So when you're married, you water your marriage to keep it as green as you can make it. So I was doing anything that I could to save my marriage. I had mentors keep making sure I wasn't becoming bitter or lashing out. Like at one point he was in a relationship with another person. And I'll be honest, I wanted to go slice her tires. Mm. <laughs> I wanted to retaliate. I wanted to tell her boss, do you know what she's doing with my husband? She will not leave him alone. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I met with her one time and begged her to, st- to get out of her marriage. And then I had to just go, you know what? I have to only do what God calls me to do. I'm not accountable for them. And I can't make him do something that he just doesn't want to do. So that was a really tough thing to walk through at the time. And then um, God took me. And at one point in my quiet time with the Lord, he said, do you care more about your marriage or do you care more about your husband's salvation? And it was a, it was an eye-opening thought. And I was like, Lord, I know what the answer is, but right now I care more about my marriage. Mm. So I'm going to have to meditate on that and get back to you. That was one of the moments that I was like, okay, I, my biggest fear is failure and I was failing. So I was trying to do whatever I could to fix it. And God was like, you let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. And that was life changing for me. That revelation of that self-talk, soul talk, am I a failure well, my marriage is failing, but according to God, I'm not a failure. So that was monumental mm. for me. And then I shortened my capacity. Usually I'm a person of high capacity and can take on a lot. And someone gave me wisdom to take on the top three things that were most important. So my kids were number one. Um, my faith was important. And then my job focus on those things and then the outside things. So I kind of stopped discipling people. I pulled back a little bit because I was like, I have to make sure I am spiritually okay. Yeah, that's why. And I'm not really at a place where I can Mm -hmm. invest and spur others on when I am like, you know, in the valley. So I encourage you to take care of yourself. If you are walking through the muck, do what you need to do to take care of yourself And then the outcome that I had wasn't what I wanted. My husband ended up divorcing me, and it was not fun. There were some really, I won't get into the details, but some things he did that were really tough, and I don't feel like I deserve that. And yet God still allowed me to walk through it. And so through all of that, I've learned that my story, as God writes my story and takes me on this journey, It's been my faith that has sustained me. That is the only thing that has sustained me. My friends haven't. 
My kids haven't. My faith has. My friends and my kids have encouraged me, mm-hmm. but they're not what gives me the utter hope yeah. to do the next right thing just for today. Mm. Um, and so I just want to encourage anybody that's walking through something that's hard. Man, the Lord, He is there. He desires that intimacy. He desires you to relinquish and walk in humility and surrender. Um, And when you do that, I think the peace that overcomes and surpasses any understanding of what we're walking through is uh, immeasurable. Mm. Um, God gave me two verses, Exodus 14, 14, which says the Lord, your God will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then Ephesians 3, 20, which says God can and will do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. Yes. And I've experienced both of those uh, scriptures coming to fruition for me. I had no idea the ministry I would have through a divorce. And God is uh, open doors. And I think it's through my vulnerability of mm-hmm. here's my junk and here's how I'm walking through it with the Lord. Yes. That gives people hope. Um, so that's why I share my story. That's why I think it's important that we are authentic and vulnerable um, as we walk through trials so that people can have hope for redemption. Yeah. And thank um, you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, and the three things you said about, you know, just being self-aware, taking inventory of yourself and what season you're in and where you're at and, you know, the the heartbreak that you were dealing yes. with. It was wise to say, I do not have the capacity right now. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of us will just try to power through and yeah. then drown. And that's yes. not, not wise. Um, yes. And then, you know, you talking about fighting where you can, doing everything that you could in that situation. Yeah. Man, I mean, that is inspiring, you know, just to give it all you got, no matter what variables or invariables you don't have control of. And then thirdly, just to surrender it to God, because ultimately, you know, our life is short, really, when you, in the big scheme of things, and to just say, God, yes, this relationship was important to me, but you are the most important to me. And really, overall, you are you are in control and you can make beauty out of ashes, even if it's not the way that I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's hard. That's why I talk about disappointment. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at Paul's life and he faced disappointment and rejection from his friends because he kept getting in prison. Mm -hmm. So friends were like, whoa, buddy, like what's wrong with your life? What are you doing? And, (laughs) um, And he was like, you know, trying to remain faithful and steadfast in the hardest of times. Oh, yeah. And I think when we go to God's word, we see broken people that God still uses. And that is so encouraging for me to go. He still can choose to use me if I walk in humility and surrender and let him go a different path than maybe what I have in my own finite brain. You know, we think in such little boxes and God is so much mm-hmm. bigger and does things on such a bigger level. That's why he's God. And we'll mm-hmm. never fully understand mm-hmm. why or how he does what he does, but it's so cool to it be is. part of it. And we're all broken people and the heroes of our faith of the Bible, you know, any name that yeah. we can name had yep. issues, had things that they yep. were walking through, whether it was their own fault or whether it was something that had been done to them and they had to personally yeah. deal with. Um, And so, you know, we're in good company. 
Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thankfully. Mm. So do you have any resources, any books, podcasts, other websites that you would Uh, love and recommend, whether it pertains to divorce or parenting or ministry, anything? Well, I always am a fan of plugging in locally. So find a church that Mm -hmm. is biblically, foundationally, doctrinally based. There are some churches out there that speak a great love message and then forget that culturally what is going on is not pleasing to the Lord. So plug in locally is my first thing. Get women. I always say we need to treat ourselves that we are a billion dollar company. And as a billion dollar company, we would have a board of directors helping us make great decisions. I love that. So have a board of directors, your home team, that group that no matter what happens, they have your back. Get those women in your life and then plug into the word on your own first. So I'm a fan of start 10 minutes a day, read a Psalm, read a proverb, start in the New Testament with James, Ephesians, Philippians, a book that is easy to understand and a letter. And then the internet is chock full. So Bible org. Gateway Bible. Those are two of my favorite resources online. Of course, Jenny Allen, Priscilla Shire. Those are two of my favorite uh, women out there. Vicki Courtney, if you are have teenage girls. So there's some great resources like that yeah. that I would encourage you to plug into. That's great. Well, do you have a final word of encouragement that you could leave us with? I know that that's so much to ask when you've already encouraged us with so much. Oh, man. Yeah, you talked life is short. And sometimes I think we can be so overcome with the messes we've made in our life that we feel like we just are not even valuable. Or why would we even try to do something different? Mm. Because look at all the junk Look at all the lives we've hurt, all of that. And I just want to encourage you, no matter where you are, what you've been through in life or or the havoc that you've caused in life, God is a God of redemption. He forgives. He loves. He offered his son just for you. And I think when we can recognize what God has done for me and that he just wants me to come to him as I am, not put together. Don't wait until you get it figured out. Just come as mm-hmm. you are. You are going to change in ways that you're like, you'll look two, three, six, nine, twelve months down. And the ways of the old, you'll be like, I don't even think like that mm-hmm. anymore. I don't have a desire to do that. Because that's what he does when we come to him. He takes those desires and that ways that we typically have been wired and he just oozes them out of our lives. Mm. And so I just encourage you, just plug in and know you are uh, loved without condition. And he just wants to be in a relationship with you. That'd Mm. be my biggest encouragement. Amen. Preach it. Trish, you have such a contagious joy about you, and I'm thank you. thank you for constantly pouring yourself out and teaching just others. Thank you for teaching us thank just you. how thank this you. God is crazy about us, and thank you he for is. loving and sacrificing and imparting oh, your wisdom to all of you. us. So 
It has been such a joy to chat with you today. Thank you for letting me take this time. It means a lot. And I just pray that God will, if I ever said anything that wasn't honoring to Him, that that falls on deaf ears, but the rest that honors Him, that it would just touch home with someone today, that they would know that they are loved and there is hope Mm -hmm. for them. We know that His Word, when it's sent out, it does not come back void. And so we won't trust Amen. in our own words, but we'll trust in His Word that goes out. So Amen. That's I appreciate great. Thanks, you Jennifer. and thank you. You're awesome. You have a blessed day. See, I told you, everybody needs a Trish in their earbuds. I actually had a gal tell me she had been praying for a mentor and found this podcast, which has encouraged her and spoken truth into her life as a young wife, mom, and follower of Christ. It reminded me of the power in sharing our real-life stories and pausing to recall God's faithfulness along the way, not just here on the podcast, but in our everyday real lives. Well, guys, thank you for taking time to join us. Remember, you can subscribe in all the usual places, and you can join my email list and check out the conversation notes, links, and resources we talked about at jenjewel.com. The Messy Table podcast is also on Instagram, so jump on there and feel free to tag some friends and share the love. I also want to remind you that we work hard to keep this podcast ad-free and ministry-focused. I have a lot of people ask how they can help, and one simple way is simply by going into iTunes and leaving a quick rating and review. Honestly, I'm not very tech-savvy, but this increases visibility, helps other women find encouragement through these honest conversations, and personally, I just love hearing what impacts you, inspires you, and how we can keep making it better. I know it seems like a small thing, but it actually helps a ton. We'll only take a minute of your time, and I would so, so appreciate it. Well, hey, from my messy table to yours, I hope you have a great week. And remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in the mess.